Mini episode 1353 of the FDH Lounge is brought to you by Sportsology, delivering unconventional columns and webcasts about sports, TV, music, movies, and more. Follow them on the web at sportsology.com. The FDH Lounge. You want to schedule your life around it. A long time ago, on a gloomy, wet Cleveland spring night, two men stand alone amidst the late night drizzle. Their voices echo across the vacant station parking lot as they debate the merits of the great American radio show that have been missing for far too long. On that night, an idea was born. That idea became the FDH Lounge. Welcome to the FDH Lounge. Hello everyone, welcome to FDH Lounge mini episode 1353. This is FDH Managing Partner Rick Morris. And uh, we've got back one of our hearty perennials here on the show, a longtime FDH Lounge dignitary slash sportsology proprietor slash author, Russ Cohen, and uh, here to talk NHL entry draft as well as the NHL expansion draft in 2021. Uh, every year we've done on the show some NFL draft talk, uh, most years, especially in recent years, NBA draft talk. First time, I believe, that we've expanded into the NHL, but a good year to do it, I think, when it is prefaced by the expansion draft team number 32 coming into the league, and uh, certainly unique times and unique circumstances that this is happening under with what is at least south of the border in North America, the winding down of the pandemic, uh, still going on with some ferocity in uh, great places up north, and I think that may be one of the reasons that this is kind of a clampdown event this year, but uh, we'll see what Russ has got to say about this. Uh, Russ, as always, welcome back to the show, buddy. How you doing today? Yeah, thanks, Rick. Always a pleasure. Yeah, it'll, you know, both events will, the draft and the, and the expansion draft will be done remotely. I, you know, we'll have a chance to interview. I know I'm going to do some work with SiriusXM leading up to the to the NHL entry draft. And, um, you know, always a good time of year. I have dug into this draft quite a bit. I'll still do a little bit more refreshing since I have about a month. Uh, maybe I'll do one more list. I'm up to like 3.0 on sportsology.com, and it's possible. And actually, coming out this Saturday, I'm going to release um, – it's called it, – it's on Kindle Vela, and so it's like a uh, – basically like a serial collection of draft stories. So it's going to be Tales of the NHL Draft, some unforgettable draft moments, because I've been covering it since since one Awesome. And so – yeah, so so I have quite a bit of stuff I could put in there between now and the draft and through the summer. And so uh, there'll probably be like five stories to start. You get a few for free, and then um, and then you, you buy tokens, and it works off the app, the uh, Kindle app, and then eventually it'll work on Amazon.com. So, you know, something new to, to try out, uh, and we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. I have a passion for the draft, obviously. Oh, very good, very good. And I know going back to 08, uh, of course, we have been uh, jointly producing uh, Pro Hockey Draftology every year, so we'll have that coming out. And then we'll have this uh, segment actually embedded on the cover for anybody who is accessing it online. You'll be able to listen to our segment here. If for whatever reason you're listening right now and for whatever reason you don't make it to the end, if you're interrupted or whatever the case may be, uh, we'll have that bookmarked for you right there on the cover, and of course, it is your work at Sportsology every year that uh, serves as the spine of our draft coverage, unsurprisingly. And uh, so again, starting with uh, the expansion draft here this year, uh, I was 
interested to see, and I'm happy for the hockey fans of Seattle, that uh, we didn't see the same kind of pettiness and expansion that we saw in the NFL in the late 90s. And I speak from painful personal experience that uh, as a lifelong member of America's North Coast, resident of America's North Coast, once Jacksonville and Carolina came into the league in uh, 95 and uh, made it, both teams made it to the championship uh, Sunday, the second year, Everybody was like, well, enough of that. Time to tighten the screws on whoever the next poor sucker is. And that, of course, was my Cleveland Browns. And, of course, bad ownership, bad management, etc. for 20 years uh, didn't help matters either. But the NFL came in at that point saying, you're going to take whatever scraps we're going to throw you. And it's nice yeah. to see that after Vegas has had its unprecedented early success here uh, as an expansion team in the NHL, that NHL owners did not yield to similar pettiness and take it out on the Seattle Kraken. No, definitely not. I mean, they'll be a little smarter this time, and I say it like asking the question because now they didn't expect there to be a flat cap, and maybe because there is a flat cap, they can't be as smart, and they might be a little more desperate. So uh, it'll it'll be interesting, but Seattle will get some good players for sure, and Ron Francis will have uh, you know some nice players to start with. You never know if they're going to start off like Vegas, that that may be a once-in-a-lifetime thing, but certainly they'll, they'll get players they can build with. Yeah, I mean, the bar was set exceptionally high on that, and, and again, operating under the same rules that Vegas operated under, certainly the fans are going to have high expectations out there. The thing being that, uh, and I hope that the fans are patient enough to understand this, that there are a great many teams that came to realize subsequently that they had flawed strategies in dealing with Vegas, and uh, Vegas basically did everything right in the course of that as far as how they negotiated what contracts were and weren't going to be taken with the various teams here. So there are a lot of clubs that have smartened up since the last experience a couple of years ago here. So even without the rules being changed, it's going to be tougher for Seattle because there's a lot of teams that are going to be very, very wary about getting their pockets picked again. Yeah, no question, but I still think um, it's going to happen, and it will happen with teams that have to desperately move some uh, some salary off of their books, and they're going to have to use a sweetener, meaning a player, and or they're going to have to use a pick and say stay away from player X and Y, and it, it's you know it'll be one or the other. It'll be hey, we need to have you remove salary or hey, we need to have you do this, and this is what we'll give you. And so, you know, I think Francis will do a little bit of the salary thing, but not a lot. And I think that um, he might take some some players to not do certain things because it takes a little while to, to build a farm system, and that could help build it a lot quicker. Absolutely. And uh, as, as far as it goes with Vegas, one of the things that really worked so well in their favor was being able to get Marc-Andre Fleury from Pittsburgh who uh, has shown that he's had a lot left in the tank these last couple of years and continues to show through this year's Stanley Cup playoffs. And uh, again, that is something where, uh, you know, more than anything else, I think eyeballs are going to be fixed on whoever Seattle intends to have in that opening night as far as what kind of a jump they might be able to get off to relative to what Vegas was able to do. Any early thoughts for who contract-wise could be candidates out there? Uh, to be Seattle's number one goalie when the season starts? I mean, you would have thought, based on what happened last offseason, that Marc-Andre Fleury would actually <laughs> be available. 
but now as the way he's playing, I don't think that'll be possible. Right. So I don't think <laughs> I don't think Flurry will be there. Uh, I do think you could see, like, let's say uh, you might actually see Eric Johnson. There's talk out there, even though that he has a no move with with St. Louis, that he might be willing to waive that so they don't have to protect him to help uh, Colorado. So you you might see him. Uh, I think trying to think of other big name guys you will see some you'll see some goaltending for sure uh like with florida uh dreger is actually a free agent and bob has no move so you won't see either one of them and so they they'll actually get away with um not having to put anybody on there the flyers will certainly have a good player or two uh maybe a scott lawton i think that's a, a player that could be there, but they did just resign him, so they might say, hey, stay away from Lawton, or they might protect him. If they don't protect him, they're going to probably leave somebody like Robert Hag, a really good defenseman, good, solid, everyday defenseman, like a number six type, could play five, you know, that kind of guy. Uh, you look at uh, the Rangers. The Rangers would be interesting because I think you could be looking at um, maybe someone, I don't know if you... I don't know if they would protect Colin Blackwell, so he could be a guy. They brought him in, got great results. He could be a guy that could be out there for them. With the Islanders, you could be looking at someone like Kiefer Bellows. Uh, I have to see if he's actually exempt or not. I, you know, I'm not a hundred percent. Sometimes it gets kind of complicated with players and contracts and right. slides, but but you you could see a young player like that. I mean, you definitely will see Josh Hosang, who had been playing um, in the KHL, I think, but has not been playing at all with the Islanders. So you might, you know, that name will be there whether they want to take a chance on a player like that. Um, you could see a player like Matt Dumba for Minnesota because possibly they don't want to uh, incur his salary any longer, but he's a really good defenseman. And mm -hmm. I, think, um, I think he has one more year left. So I think he's an option. So you, you could see some some pretty good names there, and there will be some teams that will try and deal guys before the expansion draft, maybe at the draft for, for draft picks so they don't have as many to offer Seattle to kind of not screw them, but really maximize their own um, situation at the draft. So, you know, look for that too. Well, yeah, it's all about uh, protecting your assets as much as you can. You can't fault any team for doing that. And uh, as, as far as this event uh, taking place uh, July 21st and then subsequently uh, the NHL entry draft July 23rd and 24th, as you said, both of them remotely. And it's a thing where I, I think a lot of sports leagues at this point are, are really kind of struggling to get things right because uh, for, for what you were saying before, about uh, you know this thing being done remotely, uh, yeah, it does kind of seem, particularly if you do it south of the border here, where we're not really having as big of a COVID problem these days, that, that you could have it as an event somewhere. Uh, having said that, I go back a couple months ago when we were only really kind of starting to come out of this, and I was really, really cheesed as a Clevelander uh, to have a quasi-NFL draft event here uh, in Cleveland rather than put it off a couple of years and give us what I'd call a real one. So I think a lot of leagues are, are really kind of struggling to hit the mark right now with this. And uh, this being done remotely, uh, again, as with last year, uh, this is almost certainly the last year this will be the case. Things should be back to normal everywhere in 2022. 
So any thoughts for uh, how it's going to function based on what we saw last year? As far as the draft goes? Yeah, as far as just the structure of it and the flow and everything, the TV coverage, et cetera. Okay. Um, by the way, it does look like um, Keith Lovellos is, is not exempt, so it looks like he could be available. Hmm. Um, so that's that's a, that's a good name. Uh, it, the draft will um, – it's a two-day event still. You got the first round on the, on the Friday night and the rest on the Saturday. Players will get interviewed probably – two, three days before we'll have a crack at them online. And, and last year that went pretty well, pretty smoothly. There was a good amount of them. So we were all happy. Maybe it'll happen, you know, maybe three or four days before. I also look at it and I know with what I've done on Sirius, I think it's going to be the same setup. I don't think there's going to be any change in that players will be at their houses. I've spoke to quite a few already. So they're setting up their own little home bases and, you know, they'll go and they'll flash to there after they, announce the pick and then like on radio we'll you know once they announce the pick then we'll give some commentary and and then um go on to the next one and then that's when we sort of talk a little bit and, and just kind of see who might go the next to what team and talk about certain players in certain spots so that's you know that's how it'll go i i think it'll go smoothly it went smoothly last year i actually felt like um it didn't drag too much I think there have been drafts when I've been there in person that have dragged. I, I blame uh, one Thomas McCollum, a goalie that <laughs> the Detroit Red Wings drafted once, who was the final pick of the first round and didn't show up for like 20 minutes. Wow. And we were like, and I was like, dude, it's like 11.15. Like, we want to go. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> yeah, he was talking to everybody and apparently didn't realize he had to go do his interview. You know, so there's things like that could happen. But I think when you do it this way, it actually – is a little more expedient, believe it or not. Uh, and there weren't any real technical flaws. Like, actually, they did a very good job with it. So I, I expect good things. Yeah, and uh, it, it really should be uh, interesting. Uh, the, uh, the the crop of players coming out this year is, is definitely very intriguing, and uh, there are a number, uh, certainly of, uh, among other things, top defensemen uh, in the draft. I know a lot of people early on were pegging uh, Luke Hughes uh, prior to his uh, foot injury, his, uh, his tendon yeah. laceration, potentially as being the number one guy overall. You've got him presently ranked uh, 11th on your top 32 right now. Uh, where do you see him going, and do you see him being potentially a value for somebody based on what his present status is? Yeah, I mean, he could go top 10. I don't have um, the draft order with me, so mm -hmm. if you want to yeah. look at it, I, I could talk about teams, but... Uh, I think he can go top 10. I don't know if he'll go top five based on the injury. He was supposed to um, skate last month, and I haven't, and he didn't skate last month. So then he was supposed to skate this month. And as far as I know, so far he hasn't skated this month. I'm sure he's doing upper body and everything else. But there is, you know, a little bit of worry uh, about the injury there. And, of course, you know, when you get close to the draft, they'll try and uh, – not mention it as much as possible and put a happy face on it, but teams are going to look at that and now realize there's a little bit more risk involved because he is a speed guy and, you know, this is not your everyday run-of-the-mill kind of injury. So, you know, that is something that, that could affect him. Owen Power definitely still going first. And on the sportsology.com, I did interview Dylan Duke, who will be a future uh, teammate of Owen Power at, at Michigan. 
and he was talking about playing with power and Beniers and and Johnson all should be going in the top 10 and I think that's going to be the biggest change for fans in this year's draft is you know not only did scouts and pundits like me not get a look at everybody live Mm -hmm. that's nearly impossible this year but and we had to rely a lot on video but also so few games means that it really is better for a lot of these players to go back to where they were or to come back come to north america or to you know not play in the nhl is the key right and so i think this will be the fewest that we'll see play in the nhl in any given year and you might start seeing guys maybe towards the end of the year i just think out of, out of like an abundance of caution because you know they, they played so few games i mean the ohl you couldn't imagine it would be shut down for this long uh nobody could have imagined that so all these things are unprecedented and whoever drafts Owen Power is probably going to have to deal with the fact that, yeah, he's going to go back to Michigan. So, again, I think that's good for him. They're going to have a super team, and they're going to have a chance to uh, to win a national championship. So why not? I mean, almost certainly uh, the way it looks now, because you got Buffalo picking number one. I mean, almost certainly he would be going there. And that's a I'm thing. not going to tell you it's a definite, though. I will okay. not tell you that's a definite with Buffalo. Buffalo's a wild card these days, as you know, and wild card means, you know, just like what your Cleveland Browns used to be like. Yes, exactly. You know, and the uh, the, the, the Buffalo Sabres, I mean, you know, not to be too cynical uh, if, if he ends up being the pick there, but, I mean, if he goes back to Michigan, I mean, what does it really matter, right? I mean, the Buffalo Sabres, with the young talent they've been accruing, uh, I always like to invoke uh, the old geopolitical saying, Brazil is the country of the future, and it always will be. Well, the Buffalo Sabres look like the team of the future, and they always will be. So what's one more year this guy at Michigan? <laughs> well, well, here's the thing, though. Right. So it should be one more year. Okay. Which would be, which would be his, his second year. Yeah. Except one of things are still sort of like askew, and he doesn't like the situation. He might say, hey, I'm going back to Michigan for a third year. Okay. And then, you know, you know what happens sometimes with college free agents. So there is a a modicum of risk there for the Sabres having him go back and not sign initially with the NHL club because, you know, he's going to want a fairly good situation there. And if he and uh, at that time, right now it's advisors, but at that time it would be, you know, agent or agents, uh, you never know what could happen. So, you know, that's what happened with Adam Fox. And now look at Adam Fox, right? He's playing for the team he always wanted to play for in the Rangers and is up for, you know, the Norris. So you never know. So there is that. That's true, yeah. And that's where, and and again, with the Buffalo Sabres fans, if that happens, uh, certainly I feel their pain because as a lifelong Red Wings fan, I mean, you know, some of this has been with the pandemic over the last year. Uh, but some of our top guys are still playing overseas and have yet to even come into yep. the league. And then, of course, there's a, an acclimation process once you get there. So uh, there's really no glory in having the clock delayed on any of this stuff here if you're a bad team hoping to get better. So, yeah, that is something Buffalo is going to have to weigh uh, is having to wait for uh, for Owen Power. Yeah, no doubt. And, and or, or the other team that ends up drafting him. But I, I still think he goes number one. Yeah, I think you're probably right about that based on some uh, projections I've seen. By the way, to circle back on uh, Luke Hughes here, as far as any teams in the top 10 uh, that might be a little bit hungry for a potential value there, I'm looking at 
six, seven, eight, whether it be my Red Wings, the Sharks behind us, or the Kings at eight, uh, I could see one of those teams right there potentially saying, you know, willing to gamble on the upside of this guy to put him on our blue line. Yeah, I, I do think um, that could be the range. And then what, what are the Devils, five? Devils are four, so that's probably a little four. high. The Blue Jackets are five. So right, the Devils, I will say this. It wouldn't have been high if it was a year ago before the injury. Right. And so if, if they feel like they have great inside information because, uh, I don't know, his brother Jack plays there, right? Uh, they, they might be willing to roll the dice. Sure. And you got Ottawa at 10. I mean, you got to think he probably doesn't make it much you know, past there uh, right. potentially. You, you have Chicago at 12-11 because of the forfeited pick of uh, Arizona, uh, which right. is a pretty big F up on their part to not have a first-round pick. Yes with the penalty, so, yeah, he could be going somewhere in that range, but, uh, yeah, as we said, blue no, line. He'll go, he'll go most likely in the top ten. I just have him where I have him for the reasons I stated earlier. Absolutely, and these are things that uh, teams are going to have to be uh, careful of, but, uh, again, you know, some, some prime talent on the blue line here, but as, as you're looking at it sort of big picture here, uh, what do you feel like, is potentially the, the best or uh, and maybe even second-best positions in the draft in terms of top-level talent and depth. Okay, um, so positions meaning positions played on the ice, not positions yes. of the NHL teams where they are. Well, yes, yes, on the ice. Okay, so I, there's, I'd say there's one, two, three, I'd say three uh, excellent centers, meaning second Second line potential or higher, possibly first line. Okay. And then one, two, three, four, a uh, four that um, would be middle six um, guys. So I think I think there's a strength there. Defense with Power and Clark. I think Power, Clark, Edvinson, and then there's a big drop off. Well, not a big drop off because Luke Hughes is there, and there's still great potential there. So I think I'll put Hughes in that group. So I think the four, and then there's, and then there's definite drop off. Now, Power is on his own island compared to everybody else. But um, Brent Clark, who's the brother of Graham Clark, who got drafted by the Devils a few years back. So again, they could be going for another brother combo too if he slips to them. I would take Clark over Luke Hughes. I would, uh, but maybe they won't because Clark needs to work on his skating, and while he's an offensive wizard. Uh, certainly has to work on the game with his own head. So that's something, you know, they could decide too. Simon Edison's a big, strong kid played played for Sweden in the uh, in the World Juniors, but he's gonna need some work, work on his skating, uh, just work on just bigger defensemen always take time. Remember how people were thinking Hedman was a bust for a little while? Yep. And and then all of a sudden he wasn't, right? Because that's you know, people jump rush to judgment sometimes. And so I think you look at those guys, and, and Luke Hughes, who has has excellent speed. I hope he continues to have excellent speed. His, um, his hockey IQ is really good, but he sometimes has trouble skating out of trouble because sometimes he'll get in the offensive zone and then run into some trouble. He's got a great shot. Uh, he really has a lot of the other tools, you know, that you're looking for uh, in an NHL defenseman. So I think I think the center and 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 defense have like limited great upside mm -hmm. because this is like a, a pretty you know average draft right now okay and and then when you look at on the wing there's definitely a lot of talent on the wing now william eckland i have ranked fourth but he could go higher and he could go after it 
Like, again, I, this is why it's a ranking and not a mock draft. But, right. but he's a guy who also has played some center and junior, so you never know if someone's going to try and turn him into a center. But he's a really good playmaker, fast skater, and plays in the SHL already and had a good year. So so that's something where he has a little bit of a leg up. Dylan Gunther could be a really great goal scorer. <laughs> Everything breaks right, but if nothing else, uh, might end up being like a, a really good second liner. And then you're looking at Fabian Lysel, who I, I think could hit the top 10, maybe not. Uh, out of Sweden, he's fast. He's got a great shot. I think he um, has to work on um, playing better defense and maybe uh, a little bit of decision-making, but the, um, but the talent's there. So there's a lot of guys. Mason McTavish is a hell of a center when I was talking about centers. Uh, Ken Johnson, same thing out of Michigan. Chaz Lucius is a really good left winger who plays um, for the NTDP. I think he, he'll be part of that top 15. Also Cole Sillinger, who uh, was an interesting one because he was supposed to play Medicine Hat. When Medicine Hat didn't start off um, their season, he went to the USHL and really shined there. So he didn't hurt his draft status at all. So there's guys like that. And then there's Jesper Wallstead, who I think is the one goalie That'll be in the top 10 because he's a potential franchise goalie, a Swede, who um, plays in the SHL, but also I've relied on mostly European scouts or people that I know on this one. Yes, I've seen video of him and seen him play internationally, but uh, we guess on a lot of goaltending. So goaltending, I've got to get some help because nobody's a goaltending expert. There's a few. There's a few in the industry for sure. Right. Um, You know, it's not me. So it's going to be... A good draft. There's definitely guys that will surprise all throughout. You know, there's a guy like Matt Coronado. I had him ranked 22nd. He could go higher than that. He could go after that. He's a Long Island kid. Really good goal scorer, fast. Uh, so there's 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 a lot of guys with potential. I think you know I mentioned Dylan Duke. Uh, I have him ranked 27th. I think he could be a first a first rounder, but maybe he'll slip to the second. Uh, you won't like to see that because he's a Browns fan. He loves Baker Mayfield, and and um, and and he grew up in Ohio, and then eventually moved to Michigan just to play higher level hockey because that's you know where those leagues are. But he uh, he dies with the Browns, and he's really last few years very encouraged. So you know that's something where I think you can get behind a player like that. Mm-hmm. And you know there's there's good talent here. It's just it's and there's some Russians in there too, and. You know, there's Sean Barons, who's a, it says 5'10", but I think he's like 5'9", as far as defense, but he actually hits guys, and he's very aggressive, a good skater, and a good um, skating defenseman that, you know, brings the puck in the offensive zone and can make things happen offensively. So, it's, it'll be a really interesting draft. I think this is going to be one where I think fans have to really refrain from saying, why did they pick that guy, or should have picked that guy, because... A lot of the lists, mine included, will be very different from other lists. There'll be some guys where we have sort of a consensus on, but it's a tough year to have consensus on certain players. It's a very tough year for that. Yeah, exactly. And uh, imagine if that uh, Browns fan ends up going to the Red Wings. That's me drawing to uh, the Daily Double right there if that ends up happening. Well, I mean, here's the... the, So I I chatted with him about that. I couldn't fit everything in the article, (laughs) but he... um, He's going to Michigan, right? Remember, I right. mentioned that earlier in the show. That's so right. he already is going to face the ire of his family. 
um, yes. family that are still in Ohio, but he thinks he could, you know, basically uh, mend that fence and get them to root for him by getting them some swag. So he said he'll probably hit the, uh, the campus bookstore <laughs> and buy some hoodies and shirts and try and bribe them with that, which I think is a great idea. There you go. And uh, the, the other thing I'll say about positions here is that uh, it really does seem like uh, the tail end of the donkey in this one here in the draft this year would be goaltender. Uh, you, you've got uh, Jesper Wallstead, as you said, number nine overall in your top 32. Nobody else in your top 32 there. So, uh, again, Walt, you, you've given a lot of caveats about uh, scouting the position there this year, but by and large, it, it just doesn't seem like it's bursting at the seams uh, the way that it might be some other years. There's a couple of other good goalies. I don't think they're um, going to be as good as Wallstead. It mm -hmm. doesn't mean they can't be starters in the sure. league someday, mm -hmm. but I think Wallstead is kind of like the guy that – you look at him and you say, all right, he could be a franchise goalie. The others are good goalies. Right. And then you see where, you know, what happens to him. But in, in this draft, uh, I know there's talent in the first round. And so it's hard to spend that first round pick on a goalie unless you're really sure. Because, you know, once you hit second, third, and then later in the draft, I think you're going to start seeing a lot of European players, a lot of college players, a lot of overage players. And so, and like, and the year after draft, you're going to see a lot of guys that just didn't play this year get drafted next year because they didn't play. Like, it's just scouts are going to be like, yeah, uh, you know, we can't really risk a pick on him because he was on our board two years ago, but now he didn't play this year. Right. And there are, I know, I know of a few already that are decent players that, you know, just didn't get to play. Either their college canceled on them or their prep school, you know, canceled on them and whatever. So, you know, a lot of players got caught up in that. So I think that's where I think starting the sixth round, you will see some teams trade out of this draft for picks in the next draft. Interesting. Yeah, there was uh, and there was a little bit of that strategy going on uh, in the NFL this year as well. Uh, yeah, teams yeah. Uh, employing a similar uh, strategy looking ahead to next year. So, yeah, this uh, some of this pandemic stuff uh, cuts across sports with the drafts and with the approaches that are used and uh, again now when it comes to the NHL entry draft uh, you can do no better uh, than a gentleman that we've got in-house I'm so proud to say FDH lounge dignitary sportsology proprietor author Russ Cohen uh, Russ one more time give that a mention about some of the draft stories that you are going to have available for people out there I want to hit that one more time okay yeah so it's called tales of the NHL draft so unforgettable draft moments I will have something about the 1983 draft when the St. Louis Blues didn't send anybody and mm -hmm. didn't draft. They just didn't draft anybody. Wow. Sounds crazy, but it happened. I also have a story about the 2007 draft where um, one Patrick Kane went first overall, and I got booed on a live show when we picked Patrick Kane to go first because <laughs> Blackhawks fans were not pleased with drafting a, a small, skinny guy um, who now will be a Hall of Famer. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know what the next stories are going to be because so far this is the first two. I started this project today. So they'll have to just wait and see, Rick. Well, exactly. And uh, by, by the way, as far as uh, draft vintages and stuff, I can say as a Red Wings fan, 83, that was a very good year draft-wise for my Detroit Red Wings, certainly. And uh, <laughs> again, I just, I just got to see, by the way, the Russian Five documentary recently on uh, – on Peacock, and it was awesome. I can't uh, plug oh, that yeah. highly Russian enough. Five, um, I think it, 
was that Gabe Polsky who did that? I think so. Yeah, he's a great guy. I've interviewed him. He, he's a tremendous documentary guy, and and that really is a no. A, you shouldn't miss it. Oh yeah, yeah. You don't have to be a big uh, wings honk like me uh, to to really no. enjoy. It. Although if you are, you will really enjoy it and really get to see the backstory of what I would call, from my point of view, the years of glory. But uh, again, uh, speaking of glory, like I said, always a great conversation with you, Russ, and there's nobody better to turn to on the NHL draft. So thank you so much uh, for your time today, buddy. Thanks, Rick. Appreciate it. Thanks, bud. And uh, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to FDH Lounge Mini, episode 1353.